Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All right, all right, all right. Let's get ready to pod. We got Douglas Atkin back yes. for our fourth show installment. Dude, the cult brand hits. Just keep coming, kids. Today, we welcome back our friend Douglas Atkin, former global head of community at Airbnb, partner and chief community officer at meetup.com, and all around incredibly smart branding <laughs> icon dude and he's, and he's just a good guy too <laughs> knowing that douglas is going to be on the podcast i mean it's just i can't sleep the night before could we do this every morning i just i need you to say all these things every morning <laughs> yeah. to me so i can have a good day hey we can we can record it man you can just uh, pop in your iphone <laughs> no, and listen to that's this not every good day. enough i want to have some more douglas time <laughs> <laughs> that being said, this is the fourth installment of Douglas's How to Live Your Purpose series, which is is really intended to be a compliment to your writings over on medium.com, Douglas. And uh, yeah. most importantly, again, this is about how to become a cult brand and stay a cult brand. You know, we all have the the why, kind of like the Simon Sinek why, but this is the how. How do you how do you actually make that happen? So again, welcome back, Douglas. Thanks. Thanks for coming back on the show. Great having you, Douglas. No, it's my pleasure. I love talking about this stuff. Well, today's show is centered on, this is one of my favorites, being relentless, focused on the long term. So in a short-term profit and board-driven world, how in the hell is that even possible today? <laughs> I know, I know. It's um well, but they, I mean, think about it. When at Airbnb, I joined in 2012, late 2012, when there's about 150 people there uh-huh. in HQ, and it was um, it was it was a classic uh, Silicon Valley startup. So craziness every day. So build on top of that the fact that you know almost everything we're doing at Airbnb has never been done before. You're inventing stuff up. You know, you make stuff up every day as you're going along. Yeah. So even within that context, you're you're being faced by a daisy, daily sort of um, craziness. Uh, what I loved and admired about the founders and my colleagues was that we would always try and make decisions that uh, favored the long term, or, or what we call Plan B decisions. There's a separate podcast you've done about this, but but uh, Nate, you know, describes these decisions really well, which is. You know, normally the plan, what we call plan B decisions we take because mm-hmm. they do favor the long term in some way. You know, they're, they're better for the culture. They're better for our, our hosts. They're better, you know, they live our values and they, they will achieve our mission, our purpose. If you do plan A though, however, you know, the, the way something is normally done, it won't do any of those things. So we always mm-hmm. make plan B decisions. But plan B decisions don't exist. You have to invent them because they've never been done before. And uh, as, as Nate says, told me once it's like there's a path before you and you can go down it and it's kind of safe but you don't like it and you say no i'm not <laughs> going to do that but then it's not really clear what the alternative is and you have to forge a new path so nate told me that uh, one day when he's trying to describe basically i had asked him and the other two founders to think of all the meaningful moments in the company's history and by meaningful moments i mean 
those moments where you did something with meaning on principle. Uh-huh. Often there was a big risk attached. Often there was like a, a big short-term cost to it, like short-term cost of money or not being able to launch a product on time or whatever it was. And that was one of them. He said, basically, we, we make plan B decisions and forge in our own path. And actually, one of the first things that the founders did, for their the first hire they wanted to make, this is way back in 2008, was another software engineer. And there was only three of them at the time, and they were trying to hire this software engineer because what was also happening at the time is they were in Y Combinator, which is an incubator in Silicon Valley, a famous one. Yeah, pretty popular. Yeah, very popular. And um, uh, Brian and Joe were flying to New York every weekend to talk to hosts and find out what they needed and would telephone back to uh, Nate, who was the CTO, who was the programmer, and and uh, get him to often change the site overnight, uh, more in line with what the hosts needed to to be to be good hosts. Mm-hmm. So, um, but they and then we had a long list of products and innovations they wanted to make to the site and so on. So they really needed this first engineering hire. And actually, I'll just read you something that Brian told me about this. He said, "Our first engineering hire, we desperately needed an engineer, but we still waited four or five months, maybe six months." till we hired this guy, Nick Randy, because we wanted to hire somebody we felt could represent the culture. So that had a cost of growing slower because of an investment in the culture. This is still Brian talking. Mm-hmm. Culture is really a short-term price you pay for long-term results, very long-term. Like you pay a short-term price not to hire a first engineer because you believe in the long-term that they'll hire 10 more people that will represent the culture. So imagine it, there's only three of you. You're in, uh, you're in startup mode, incubation mode. You're trying to get product made. You, know, you would think, like most startups, you would hire you know, any engineer will do, basically. Any decent engineer will have them. Yeah. But no, they, they deferred all the products that they wanted to launch so urgently uh, until they found the right one, the right person who they felt shared their values and would perpetuate a strong culture. And, and Douglas, so we have, a, we have a lot of recruiters that listen to this show. Uh-huh. And they're sitting there thinking, what in the hell? Like, my job <laughs> is to find people as quickly as possible. So to that recruiter that says... I can't worry about culture. I got to fill this wreck immediately or as fast as possible. Your answer to them is what? Well, and normally that recruiter, and I know because I've been in exactly that situation, that recruiter is saying that because the manager is he's you know, kind of standing on the desk and saying, I need this engineer. I need this marketing person right, right. now. Otherwise, mm-hmm. we're screwed. We won't launch this. We won't be able to do X, Y, or Z, right? So, it's for really good reasons why they're, they're desperate to hire, but, but we don't. <laughs> I mean, from the outside, Airbnb looks like this, you know, sort of meteoric. I mean, at the time, by the way, we were growing, and this is two, when I was there, which is 2012, 13, 14, 15, we were growing at 200 to 300% per year. Meaning that we had twice or three times as many people, customers, revenue, listings, hosts, guests every single year. So it, it was as um, Mark Andreessen, the, the um, VC guy, called us, like he called eBay, hyper growth company. So we were going hyper, hyper growth. And this is still true. We would never hire someone without checking they fit the core values first. Because everyone in the company knows that no matter how urgent their hiring need is, you know, for whatever they need it for, mm-hmm. it's not so urgent that you're willing to sacrifice the powerful culture that helps deliver the purpose or the mission. Because yes, you may solve a short-term problem, but you'll create a much worse longer-term problem where you know, in a couple of years, you look around and say, what have we become? This is not what we intended. This isn't who we are. 
we've got all these high-performing assholes, you know, as my colleague calls them, <laughs> you know, who are really good at their jobs and make a lot of impact, but um, don't live the values. You know, and this is not the culture that's going to deliver our mission. So what I would say is, even in a hyper-growth company like Airbnb, where we were growing way faster than 99.9% of companies in the world, mm -hmm. we still paused on hiring and made sure that for new hires, and it's absolutely true now, they get you know six to eight skill interviews. Uh, say I'm an engineer, they'll be interviewed by six to eight engineers to check that I'm a really good engineer. Mm -hmm. Then I'll get two interviews, core value interviews, that are being that are given to me by non-engineers, but people not in my discipline. And what those interviews are for is to check that your personal values are aligned with the values that are, are shared at Airbnb. And if those core values interviewers think that you may be a good engineer, but you don't embody those values, they have veto power. So, and this also happened to me once as a, as a manager. I wanted to recruit this grassroots organizer, one of the best in the Obama campaign, I think. And I urgently need to, needed her to parachute into a city and to mobilize hosts. And um, she went through all the interviews. I knew her skills were brilliant, but she had two core values interviews and they turned her down. And I've called my first response, even though I should know better, was... <laughs> What the fuck? You know, it's like, <laughs> I need her to fly in tomorrow. You know, yeah. it's like, this is a crazy because there's going to be this, you know, some legislation was being passed in three weeks time. I really needed her to go in there tomorrow. But then I calmed down and thought, okay, fair enough. This, we, all have, we all live with this. We, it would solve my immediate problem, but will create bigger, bigger, much worse problems longer term. And I'd rather deal with a short-term issue than the longer-term one. I mean, this came from the top. The, the, the core values, oh, yeah. I mean, the founders. So we're talking about recruiters, but, but really, we also have a ton of VPs and directors of talent acquisition that listen to us. It, it's really on their shoulders to focus on this being relentless for the long term, right? It is, yeah. And so, yeah, no, the founders, you know, keep talking about it all of the time. Uh, and uh, I mean, it's, as I say, it's built into our values. Our first value is champion the mission, mm -hmm. which is, our mission is our purpose, which is create a world where anyone can belong anywhere. And there's, a, so there's three behaviors under each mission and uh, under each uh, value, by the way, core value. And the, uh, one of the behaviors under that champion the mission core value is always favor the mission in every decision you make. So it's built into our values and everyone is held accountable to the values. And it, it, old and young, whatever seniority, whatever discipline, whichever country you're in, you have to live the values, especially if you're a leader, because as leaders tend to make the big decisions and are more visible. And if they don't embody the values, which includes championing the mission and, and making decisions for the long term, then then why would anyone else? Douglas, do you have do you, do you have any insight into what what that extra set of interviews meant to recruiting? In other words, I think I think on the surface you would say, wow, if if engineers knew that not only do they have to pass the skills stuff, but then they have to take a values interview. I think you would say a, a knee jerk would be, well, I'm not going to even bother with interviewing with Airbnb if they're going to put me through that kind of rigor. But my guess is this probably helped you recruit better people and more people because of that extra hurdle. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's the opposite effect. People want to work at Airbnb because of the culture of the values. They say that. Um, it's they're kind, of, they're kind of famous, and it's um, it's a fantastic differentiator. Actually, it helps us recruit 
in a highly competitive market, particularly in San Francisco, it helps us recruit the best. And it's, by the way, it's not just recruitment. This, again, is, is going to come up in another podcast, but it's, it's recruitment, it's reviewing, and it's rejecting as well, the three R's. So once you're in Airbnb, <clears throat> you're reviewed not just on how much impact you've had, you know, and what you, what you did, but you're also reviewed about how you did it. So, and it's 50-50. So did you uh, do all these things while living, whilst living the core values? And if the answer is no, then you'll be given a warning and fired if you don't change your ways. And this is true also of people on the leadership team. There were two or three people in 2015, 2016, who um, I talked to a lot of people in the, in the company at the time. Uh, a lot of people were grumbling about them because they felt that they had somehow got through the filter and really didn't embody the core values and didn't really seem to be like championing the mission. And the decisions they're making too didn't seem to be, you know, they seem to be favoring short-term growth rather than the, the long-term mission. And eventually those three leaders were let go. And now leaders in the company are given much longer core values interviews by more senior people, including sometimes the, the founders, uh, because it's even more important for the leaders to demonstrate that they are living, you know, the values in the long term. There's, there's a good example I wanted to uh, t- tell you about, actually. Sure. So I gave you an early example about the FS engineering hire. There was another uh, pretty early example, too, which other companies, famous companies, folded to plan A. There are these brothers called the Samware brothers in Germany. And their business model is to make a copy of a successful American startup internet company. So they've made copies of Groupon, of eBay, and many others. And then the whole modus operandi is to build it up enough uh, and then so that you have to buy it. Because if you don't buy it... (laughs) (laughs) That sounds evil. Evil. So Because if you don't buy it, it'll be a a major competitive threat. So... They had done this. They had launched a site called Wimdu. It still exists. They had about, uh, I think, 200, maybe over 400, I think, people yeah. in, the, in the European offices. They had a large customer base. And the three founders in 2011, I think it was, flew over to meet them and meet the people in the company and to try and decide whether to buy them or not. And eBay and Groupon in those situations a bit bit it and and it, and and bought their you know their copycat versions uh, of of their organisation. So, but they decided to say no. And again, here's Nate again uh, saying why. He, I asked him to tell me about. It. He said it was an example of not compromising and not giving into pressure. But at all, but then also having to hustle. We need a plan B, as we call it, which is if we're not going to pucker up with these guys who could basically make us, then what are we going to do to counteract that threat? Because they had four hundred people and we had forty. So what he was saying there was, we're not going to buy them because their culture is pretty toxic and alien compared to ours. And if we merge and buy them, they will could destroy the, the, the culture and the mothership. Mm-hmm. But if we don't buy them, they've got this business already established in Europe and we don't have any. We've got a small little business yeah. with 40 uh, you know, managers and people around the continent. Uh, what are we going to do? So... They went ahead anyway and didn't do plan A, which would be to buy Wimdu. They did plan B, which is to create their own European network from scratch in six months to be as good as, if not better, than that already established competitor, which they did. Wow. So that's another good example of a plan B and and thinking for the long term. So, you know, again, most companies, eBay, Groupon, they bought the Samware Brothers clones of their companies. Mm -hmm. And it it would seem to be the logical business thing to do. The founders weren't thinking about uh, just the logical business thing. They were also 
saying that the culture is more important than short-term business results, even business results over the next two or three years. We'll get back to the interview in a minute. Building a cult brand is not easy, which is why you need friends like Rupesh Nair, CEO of Smashfly, on your side. To become cult brands, companies need to build from the inside out. How can messaging and technology facilitate that type of growth? It's easy to kind of build a so-called employer brand in paper and say, hey, this is my EVP and these are my pillars of EVP, but it is much more difficult to activate it internally and ensuring that as you build your EVP, that activation is top of your mind. I've seen a lot of organizations build these awesome EVPs, which stands for who they are, but then not necessarily using that effectively internally. And some of, some, some of the times it's because the EVP is not created in a very genuine way, then obviously it will not stand the test of that internal activation. And hence, you need to ensure that a EVP is credible and aspirational as you think about the future. But at the same time, spending that time to in, ensure that every persona in your company understands what your differentiation is, what do you stand for as a company, and why is it relevant to that particular individual in that particular role is very important as you basically ensure that you're building that culture or value value proposition inside out. Then it's easy to activate it because then you can use your own employees to really activate your EEP and your brand uh, as you think about external activation. Let Smashfly help activate your brand and keep relationships at the heart of your CRM. For more information, visit smashfly.com. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Also sounds like another fight the power moment. Yeah, it was. It was. And of course, you know, there are investors, they had investors and the CFO saying, no, we've got to buy them and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. uh, and they just said, no, we're not going to. It shows great examples because all the way down to a, one hire versus the opportunity to, to take a competitor off the board. But the problem is it didn't align with purpose that engineering you know yeah. that that engineering hire needed to align with purpose those managers didn't align which is why they're not there anymore and and the rest of the culture exactly. will let you know that right um but yeah this is i think mm -hmm. yeah. this is a great this is a great example because this isn't just about a hire which is definitely important this is about something that is very big and when you talk about the founders focusing on purpose they're not just they're not just looking at everybody else and saying hey you do this because this is our purpose they're actually living the purpose and they're demonstrating that by doing their own plan b and not buying whim do 
Absolutely, yeah. And again, that was another sort of pla- um, meaningful moment in the organization's history. But that's you know one that has a lot of meaning. That's used and um, reviewed and talked about by people because it did embody what we stand for, which is the long-term creating world where anyone can belong anywhere. I mean, in the end, what happened, as I say, is they built their own list, their own uh, European offices, staff, and um, marketplaces of hosts and guests. Mm-hmm. So that by the time I arrived in 2012, 2013, I mean, you could, you could fly into London or Berlin or Stockholm, and um, both the offices looked like and the people there felt like um, the people in San Francisco, even more so, in a say, you know, they, they welcomed you, they hosted you. You know, you were made to feel like a guest in that office. They, you know, they would offer you tea or a stiff drink, whichever you needed after a long flight and, <laughs> and you know, set you up properly. And really, I mean, there's a whole team in, in Airbnb and in all of the offices called Ground Control. Ground control made to Major Tom, and ground control is um, is they're like the leading edge of the hosting part of, uh, of 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 the offices where they really look after people who are coming in, anyone, whoever it is, visitors, uh, whatever. So yes, um, the thing. So it's an unusual thing for companies to do, which is to favour the long term rather than the short term. And in fact, you know, most public companies. Unfortunately, and I'm sure they hate it too, they're held to short-term goals, to quarterly reporting. Yeah, we, we talk a lot about automation on the show in, in terms of recruiting, right? It becomes a very objective form of recruiting where it's not about you know how old you are, your skin color, your sex. It's about your skill levels and your skill sets. <clears throat> we even talked mm-hmm. before the show about an actual robot that is interviewing people for jobs. Right. And what I'm hearing right. from you is that there is a level of human to human contact that should happen in order to make sure that there's a fit for the culture. Yep. How do those two ideas of sort of automation and taking out bias and hiring join with sort of Airbnb's mission of culture fit and getting people who actually fit with each other to work together? Or are they or are they or are they complementary? We didn't automate that at Airbnb. I mean we had a recruitment team just in San Francisco of about a hundred people. Their job was just about recruitment. Mm-hmm. I mean the way they did it was in the recruitment process, you know, from the first phone call and letters and coming in for interviews and things, they were treated like guests. Again, these recruiters would be living one of the core values, which is being a host and engage in lots of you know, face-to-face contact, make the person feel incredibly welcome, like they've already worked here and already a huge success. Yeah. You know, you, they may end up turning them down in the end, but it was all about this humanity. It's, uh, it's part of our ethos and DNA. You know, it's part of our being a host is, is basically being a human with uh, extreme empathy. And I don't know how you could automate that, to be honest. And I don't think Airbnb ever will. Because yeah. there's too much of an emphasis on on humans, and I, I think that'll be a struggle with a lot of employers who who want to be unbiased in their hiring, but also want culture fit. And somewhere in, in this journey of podcasts, hopefully, hopefully we can find some answers to that. Maybe. <laughs> well, so the yeah, I mean, the culture fit at Airbnb is has is is so important that it has veto power, and it also has firing power. That if somehow you slip through and you're not working, behaving according to the core values and living the mission, that you'll be removed on that basis alone. So it's extremely important. And basically, you have to decide as an organization, do you value culture or not? If you really do value culture, then you'll um, eat the costs of it. And the costs are things like, uh, you know, not hiring urgently and putting bums on seats, but hiring well, according to 
the culture and taking your time and getting not just the skills, but also the culture fit that you need. And that's a cost. You know, that's a cost of, of work not getting done that's urgently need to be done. It's a cost of, of having recruiters and interviewers. I mean, it's costly now. We, in, in Airbnb now, which is about five, 6,000 employees, 500 of them um, also double up as core values interviewers. So that's 500 people around the world uh, taking time, not doing their job to interview people to make sure that they are a cultural fit. I mean, it's just that important though, right? Yeah, it's very important. So for Airbnb it is, yes. And what my point is that as an organization, you have to decide if it's important to you. Uh, and the next podcast we're going to do, I think, is about culture. And, I, and then we talk about, I talk about why we think culture is unbelievably important and certainly the founders think it's pro probably the most important thing for sure i can't wait to get to it okay <laughs> <laughs> very good uh, excellent douglas hey we we appreciate once again you taking time this is the fourth installment we have much more of D douglas atkin to share with you uh once again thanks douglas oh, you're welcome uh, uh, there any way that uh, these wonderful people might be able to get a hold of you? A LinkedIn website? How can how can they find out more about you? LinkedIn probably is the best thing, and also just uh, you can see my articles about the stuff we've been talking about on Medium. Uh, I talk about how Airbnb found its purpose and why it's a good one, and then uh, a series of articles about how Airbnb lives its purpose, which again most companies don't ever do. Thanks, Douglas. Thank you. We will have those on the website as well. So if you go to chadcheese.com, you're already subscribed. We will make sure those links are there so you can check out the Medium articles as well. Thanks so much, Douglas. Thank you very much, guys. Cheers. Thanks, Cheers. Douglas. This has been the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single show. And be sure to check out our sponsors because they make it all possible. For more, visit chadcheese.com. Oh yeah, you're welcome. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain -brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.